Let's dive in and uh, get started. We'll read a few verses out of Joshua 6 and 7. It's the first few uh, um, verses out of Joshua 6, Joshua 7. So 6-1. Now remember, we just stopped off last week. Nation of Israel crosses the Jordan River, picks up rocks out of the middle of the river, builds an altar, renews their covenant with the Lord because they're a new generation. They pile up all of these rocks, um, unhewn by man, they're natural stone rocks. Um, if you guys have gone to like a, a creek lately and see people like pile up like little stones, it's really cute and zen. But these are huge rocks. They built an altar so that when their kids pass around, they say, you know, great, great grandpa, you know, what happened here? It's like, well, this is the time that the Lord deliver us to, deliver us, delivered us out of Egypt. And then uh, Joshua sends out spies into the land of Jericho and they come back and like, we got it. They're terrified of us. The only person that we uh, ran into that, that was nice to us was this lady named Rahab, and she was a woman of ill repute. And it's like, well, great. Well, let's, let's start there. And then we stopped off at the end of Joshua 5, that Joshua looks up and he sees a man clothed for battle, sword in his hand. He said, are you on our side or their side? He said, neither, because I'm on the Lord's side. And that's where the you know, episode ends and like dot, 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 to be continued. Have you ever like missed an episode on that? Like you missed your soap opera and it's like, who's dead? Who's alive? You know, you pick up 30 years later and it's like, how are these the same people on all this stuff? It, do it doesn't really matter. We have no idea what this man said to Joshua. The scene ends and then it picks up in Joshua 6. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in and out, but the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho its king, and its strong warriors. You're, you and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will, will walk ahead of the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant. Remember um, Indiana Jones? Ark of the Covenant? Um, will walk ahead of the Ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times. When the priests blow their horns, when you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can, and then the walls of uh, the town will collapse, and his people will charge straight in. Everybody's seen Veggie Tales, right? Everybody knows the story of Jericho. So the idea, the first time that we hear, and we're going through the book of Joshua, but we're talking about how in the world do we hear from the Lord? Notice that in chapter 6, again, it says the Lord said something to Joshua. Notice how the gates of the city are shut tight. And like, you can Google uh, like Jericho. It wasn't that they had a wall. It was this mountain of slick stone, so you can't climb up. So it's not that they had to knock down a wall. They had to, to get the actual wall um, some perches to be able to climb up or else archers just stand on the top of the city and just pick people off. The gates were shut tight so that nobody could go in and out because they were afraid. So Jericho was the first city that stood against Israel claiming their promised land and God gave them this plan. Now, the question is, was there anything magical about the plan that God said? It, could it be that God could have delivered the city of Jericho into the Israelites' hands by another means? Yeah. The first main point that I want you to get is that it is tempting to put faith 
in the method that God uses instead of the personhood of God. Who cares about marching around a city once a day? It's the dumbest thing in the world. It's not logical, but it's what God said. On the seventh day, you march around seven times. Now, I have seen a lot of times we are funny people. We Christians are an odd crew. I don't know if you know. You know how like every family has that one weirdo, and if you don't know who the weirdo is in your family, say every family's got one. If we don't realize that we do really strange things, when people that have never grown up into the church come in and start making fun of us and we get all defended or offended and we defend our weirdness of like, "Mm, well, we eat little chiclets of bread and little things of juice for spiritual purposes. I'm like, well, that's weird. It's better just to go, yeah, I know. It's kind of strange. Have you ever seen people like, get a crew of people together and pray and like march around things. It's like, we're going to go march around the courthouse seven times. Like why? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. It's in the Bible. It seems like something to do. Now, is there anything magical about marching around anything? No, (laughs) there's not, it's not like we start marching around something and an angel's like, Oh, six and a half. Missed it by that much. Have you ever seen people like get real into like ram's horns? Like blow a a trumpet and like, I feel the power of the Lord. No, there's nothing magical about a ram's horn. It is tempting in our Christianity to put more attention on the methods than on what God's saying. All of us fall into that gap. All of us fall into the gap. We we notice that a lot of the times when, when we talk about songs, Songs have a, a, a huge nostalgic well in our heart. And we think that if it's a song that I don't know, that I'm unfamiliar with, and somehow that that is less powerful than a song that I'm familiar with. You notice like when we, when we do a song that we like, I, I'm not saying you, like me. When we do a song that I like, somehow I can hear the Lord better. Does that have anything to do with the Lord's ability to communicate to me? No. It's just sometimes I want to listen and sometimes I want to be fussy and nasty. So as we're going through Joshua, there's a lot of plans that God gives out. God says, go do this, don't do this. Go do this, don't do this. He's not communicating that to us, right? We've we've got to go to the Lord ourselves and figure out what the plan is for today, So he goes up to the walled city of Jericho. And Joshua says, all right, keep your mouths from moving. Stop talking. Because have you you ever like tried something with a group of people and it didn't work that first day? And then you go back to the camp and everyone's like, what'd you do today? I don't know, man. Joshua had us go out around the city and walk around it. It's the dumbest thing in the world. You know, I don't think he leads as well as Moses does. You know, I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) You know what we should do? What should we do? (sighs) I think that we should just climb over the wall. Do you think that? Yeah. Because he knows how we are. (laughs) 
Like, when I don't get my way, the first thing I do is like, well, that president, well, that governor, well, that cop, it's never me. Like, I'm never the issue. It's always, you know, some authority figure, well, my boss. When we're walking out the stuff that, that we're doing in life, the easiest thing for us to do is to start grumbling, to griping, complaining. You have a, like a little bit of a disagreement with your family. Well, dad never, well, my wife, well, my husband, you know, we gripe and complain. Well, Joshua just cut all of that stuff off at the pass and was like, keep your mouth shut. So as we're hearing from the Lord, there is a multitude of evidence that what we're doing is not working well in my life. It's like, hey, we need to, like, we need to engage in these spiritual practices. Well, I, I did it once and it doesn't work. Like January is coming up and we get to experience that physically when everybody runs screaming to the gym, goes two weeks and go, I tried that diet and exercise and it doesn't work. Okay. It does. If you could just not talk yourself out of God's plan for your life, figure out what he says and then just hold on to that course. So I have, one of the things that I struggle with more than anything else, I deal with depression, by the way, um, and I also deal with like anger management. So if we are ever in a conversation and I, that anger part of me gets triggered, I can't keep on having a conversation with you. I'm sorry. It's not you, <laughs> it's me. I'm too immature, and once I start getting irritated, once I, you know, the blood pressure gets up, my, the front part of my brain that controls all the best parts of me shuts off, and you just have nasty, twinkie-loving, crazy person, that, that side of me. So what I will do, and, and by the way, you say stuff that you have to go back and later apologize, and I despise apologizing. Again, it's not a mark of character for me. So I will just sit there and just keep my mouth shut because I, I will be able to rationalize enough. Well, I don't have good feelings right now. But if I keep moving my mouth, I'm going to have bad feelings. And I'm going to say something that I'm going to have to go back and ask for forgiveness for. And I don't want to do that. So I'm going to sit here and just keep my mouth shut. And I am surrounded by people in my life that like to argue. And I'm just like, I can't, sorry, I can't argue. Like, you get around the dinner table and like, who'd you vote for? Oh my gosh, I can't believe you voted for this person. You voted for this person? You're an idiot. Oh my goodness. Like, I can't do it. Some people think it's fun. I can't do it. So, what I have to do when I get frustrated is I just keep my mouth shut. It is one of the most amazing things in your life when you can hear from the Lord and walk into a situation and have everybody, you're an idiot, you don't know what you're talking about, blah, 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 and you, you get confronted with the evidence that what the Lord said is not true, just sit there and just keep your mouth shut and keep walking. It's like, well, nothing's happening. I realize that. Thank you. You ever seen a Christmas vacation where Clark spends all of that effort to put the lights on the house 
and he finally gets it working and everybody goes out in the front yard, he wakes up everybody and he's like, yeah, I just hope that this could enhance your Christmas spirit. And his father-in-law goes, the little lights are not twinkling, Clark. I'm like, I know that art and thanks for pointing it out. We run into people like that all the time. We are dying to try to keep our lives as well-managed as they are. And then somebody who you don't care about comes alongside you and goes, you've got a bald spot developing. Seriously? I'm killing myself on this, and that's, that's the thing that you're going to help me with? Because if the enemy can get you diverted on everybody in your life that thinks that, or they have an opinion on what you're doing is not right, well, actually, you need to do it like this. Actually, you're reading the wrong book. Actually, you need to be doing this. Hush. But one of the things that we do, we get on Facebook and we want to defend. (laughs) I'm trying my best. I'm doing my best. It's everybody else in my life. You know, we want to defend. Hunker down. Listen to what the Lord's saying. Just keep your mouth shut. Easier said than done. The power of the story that we're reading through here is the God that delivered them, not the fact that they walked around the city. So when you get a plan, that might be the plan for this season. One of the things that we got to be careful about when we read history is we will read stories about like FDR and be like, man, I just need to do things like him. Maybe, maybe not. Just because it worked for Rockefeller does not mean that it will work for you or should work for you. Steve Jobs built an incredible company, but you do not want to emulate Steve Jobs' character. He was a crazy person. You need to get alone with the Lord, figure out what the plan is for your life, and you need to work that out. And who cares how many people disagree or think you're crazy? You're not here for them. You're here for your mission. You're here for your plan. When you read through the story of Jericho, the number one thing that stands out, we say that it's about like the people walking around the walls. That's only mentioned twice. We think it's about the ram's horns. That's only mentioned twice. We think it's about the walls falling. That's only mentioned twice. The thing that gets mentioned over and over and over and over in this chapter is the salvation of Rahab's family. The story of Jericho is the story of Rahab's salvation. And anything else is just a footnote. But we, because for the most part, we're guys talking about it because we wouldn't let the women talk about it. We turn it into like mighty victory, conquest, swords, which they had none of. And we miss out the story of the salvation of Rahab's family. She turns, she abandons. She's the first person that they talk to in the promised land. She turns on her foreign tree stump false idols and turns her and her entire family and her entire menagerie over to the Lord. Who is the first person that you would think that would carry the gospel into the promised land? It wouldn't be Rahab. By the way, her name in Hebrew means wide, which, nice. Like, imagine that. It's like, there's a whole story in that. What's your name? Fat. Goodness. Is this a nickname or did your parents plan that out? I don't know, but I'm angry at somebody. 
I want to have a conversation with somebody. The next time that Rahab gets mentioned in the Bible is in the book of Matthew. Wild guess who she is. She is Jesus' great, 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 whatever grandmother. She's mentioned here as the first person that turns from false idols to worship the Lord. Fast forward. She's Jesus' ancestor. Fast forward again. Who's the first person in the Bible that brings about the gospel message to guys that should have been there in the process? Mary Magdalene. So just put, put it on your plate who man chooses to be the person in the spotlight and who God chooses. Women of ill repute, both of them. So when we're, we're riding around Cookville and we're thinking about who is worthy of carrying the gospel message and who needs to get off our front porch and who dresses right and who doesn't dress right and who has the right friends and who doesn't have the right friends, be careful because God usually picks the people that don't look the best to our eyes. So this, like from here on out, Let's retell the story the right way, that the story of Jericho has nothing to do with walls and ram's horns and arcs of the covenant. It has to do with the saving of a family that was derided by the city that she was in. I promise you, if you start loving on the people in your life, that's how the gospel message gets out. It's not by, hey, sir, can I hand you a tract? Hi, could you sit down and read these four verses? That's not evangelism. It's loving on somebody that nobody else will love. It's easier said than done, though. So they destroy Jericho. One of the things that the Lord said was destroy everything in it. Don't let anything stay alive. By the way, when we see this stuff in the Old Testament, that's hyperbole. You know, like when you say, like, you go outside, like, man, it's raining like cats and dogs. It's not actually raining cats and dogs. So when we go through the Old Testament and we see God say, destroy the place utterly, don't leave a stone on top of a stone, kill every man, woman, and child, all that's hyperbole. Because then it'll say, and they destroyed every living thing, and then it will go on the next chapter and talk about all the people that were still alive. So before we start labeling God as a mass murdering crazy person, it's hyperbole. Um, not, not all the time. Um, Joshua 7, verse 1. This is so amazing. You know how, like, a lot of the times everything will be going wrong and then it'll say, but God. Happened in uh, Joshua 6. Now the gates of Jericho were shut tightly. Next verse. But God spake unto Joshua. Or to, yeah, Joshua. It's like, oh, yay. Well, this is the opposite. They won this amazing victory because of the power of the Lord. Joshua 7, 1. But Israel... Nothing ever good happens after that, sit, or after that phrase, but Israel. Oh, no, what did they do? But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart from the Lord. And a man named Nachan stole some of the things that were dedicated to the Lord. So the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Nachan, the son of Car... Oh, goodness, we're going to skip a bunch of this stuff. We are not pronouncing this mess. So Joshua, verse 2, sent out some of the men from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai, east of Bethel, near beth -Avon. 
When they returned, they told Joshua, there is no need for us all to go up there. The spies said the exact same thing that they said for Jericho. What's Jericho like? Buddy, we got it. What's AI like? Man, we get to send a third of our army. Like if you give me, you know, myself a good sword and, you know, Bubba over here, I think that we can get it. There's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or 3,000 of our men to attack since there's so few of them. Don't make all of our people struggle to go up there. So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai uh, chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries. Then they killed 36 of those who were retreating down the slope. So the Israelites were paralyzed with fear at the turn of events and their courage melted away. You know, like when you get all like, whipped up into a good emotional spiritual frenzy and you're like, I'm going to tackle my world. Like I had this person pray for me and I'm going to get back into town. Like you go for a conference and just the world is going to quake before you. And the first person you meet, like puts you on your rear. It's that uh, quote from Mike Tyson that everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. It's like, whoa. What, what do you mean the bank said this? It's like, well, yeah. Just because we have a plan and just because the favor of the Lord is on us and our children, our children's children and all that stuff. Like when we go out into the world, the world is intending to punch you in the face. It is hard. I get it. (laughs) We don't do ourselves any good thing by coming in here and going, oh, everything's hunky-dory. No, we need to talk about it. Man, it's nasty out there sometimes. Our kids get on drugs. Our parents get on drugs. The bank sends us letters that are really scary. It's it's intense. (laughs) And when we talk about the roughest thing, I'm just persecuted as a believer. Why? The person wouldn't let me witness to him. Like, oh, buddy. (laughs) If that's the roughest thing that you've got in life, somebody rolls your eyes when you pray. (laughs) You've got to get thicker armor. Because the world out there is not intending to make your life slightly more miserable than it is today. The world out there is not intending to upset your flow. The world out there is intending to kill you and your children and your children's children and your children's children. He is here to seek, to, to steal, to kill, and destroy. Not mildly inconvenience your life. What, what do we do? We, we get met with one frustrating experience and our courage melts away. I, I'm not saying you, me. Verse 6, so Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothes in dismay, threw dust on their head, and bowed to their face to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. I'm sure that was really fun for like the first five minutes, and then everybody else was like, is he going to get up? No. Okay. Well, I don't want to be the first one to get up <laughs> till evening. Did anybody like Joshua? You okay, bud? If you come in here and my clothes are ripped and my face is towards the altar, please ask me if I'm okay. Goodness. And Joshua cried out, 
O sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you're going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the river. Now, what does this sound like? We just lost an entire generation of the Israelites for saying that phrase right there. I can't believe there weren't enough graves in Egypt that you had to bring me all the way out. You're like, oh, come on. <laughs> man, oh, man. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? Now, now, hear what he's actually saying. Does he care about the 36 that died? No. He lost face. That's what we care about. We care about, you hurt my ego. What shall I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they're going to surround us and wipe us off the face of the earth. And then well, what will happen to the, name of your, or the honor of your great name? But the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Well, that is not something that I want the Lord to say. Get up. Why are you belly aching? Not belly aching, I'm praying. Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I have commanded them to, that must be set apart from me. They have not only stolen them, but they have lied about it to hide the things among their own belongings. That's why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat, not why the Amorites attacked them. Why did your courage melt? Why did your heart flag? It's because you're hiding parts of your character. For now, Israel has set itself apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy those things that were set apart for destruction. Joshua cries out and the Lord says, stop bellyaching. Take care of the problem. It is easy for us to over-spiritualize everything in our life. Like, well, I need to be praying about it. I need to be fasting about it. I need to be praying about it. Sometimes, yeah, but sometimes, like, just get up and do the right thing. It's like, I, I don't know how to, like, get revival to start. Well, go feed somebody. It's like, the Lord's just not spoken to me. He probably has, and you just need to get busy about doing it. Just go do it. Again, I know it's a whole lot easier said than done. It's a whole lot easier to call a prayer meeting than it is to just actually do the thing that God's told you to do. God answers and said the exact same thing to Joshua that he told Moses when they were faced at the Red Sea. Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord said, why are you praying? Cross the Red Sea. And it's like, but it's wet, Lord. I don't know if you're aware of this or not. So as Moses steps out into the Red Sea, the miracle happens. There's a lot of the times that God's not going to move the mountain until we start getting up onto the mountain. Sweat a little bit. Then, for the rest of the chapter, God gives them a different plan. Different plan from Jericho, the plan for AI. They go out, eventually, well, to begin with, they find the thing that, they, that Achan hid. They kill Achan for it, which I'm glad we don't live under the Old Testament anymore. Then they go out and they defeat the town of AI. Why did they defeat the town of AI? Was it because they had a better battle strategy? No. Walking around the city seven times did not cause the walls of Jericho to fall. Setting up an ambush for the people of AI did not cause AI to fall. 
the reason why they were successful is because the Lord was with them. When the Lord was not with them, they experienced defeat. Now, and the defeat was not that they got their tails whipped. The defeat was their courage melted. Again, remember last week, this has very little to do with the function of what we're doing. It has everything to do with our identity and our integrity and our character, who we are. When the Lord starts talking to us, very rarely will he tell you what numbers to pick for the lottery. doesn't care about that. When the Lord starts talking to us, what does he tell us? Who we are, who he is. They got alone with the Lord. They built themselves back up and they went back into battle. The Lord happened to be with them during this battle. And hey, victory. The rest of the, you know, we can fast forward so that's chapter 7. Up until chapter 13, the rest of Joshua just looks like a, a comic book of they fought this battle and this happened. They fought this battle and this happened. They fought this battle and this happened. We're going to pick up next week with Joshua divvying out the land. It's a super boring part of the book, by the way. Everybody get ready for next week. It's really boring. But this part is Israel getting into the promised land, getting attacked every day. And this is the provision of the Lord. So when you step into your destiny, it seems really amazing when you cross the river. <sighs> the Lord's with us. We had a tornado and we had some fire and we had like bread that fell out of heaven and our shoes didn't wear out. This is amazing. There's nobody here. It feels amazing. And then when you cross into the promised land, Yay, all of the provision dries up. Oh, no. No, the Lord's with you. I'm just not having bread rain down out of heaven because there's bread in the land. Yeah, but there's bread hidden behind people with swords. Like, well, yeah, go whip them. So when you walk into your destiny, when you start going, all right, I need to get my life right. Here we go. Like, we're going to step out into our destiny. Every demon in hell will show up at your front door and start fighting against it. Do we go, oh, no, <laughs> this was better before I stepped out into this. No, it wasn't. You were just ignorant. I mean, I was. I don't know about you. I was just ignorant. And then all of a sudden, every demon starts throwing pot shots at you. What do you do? You get alone with the Lord. This whole thing is about a relationship with the Lord, something that I can't give you. Nobody on this stage can give you a relationship with the Lord. Just the same way when you show up at the gym on January 1, the owner of the gym cannot give you abs. How cool, how much money would we pay? Shoo. I can go sell my car for a six pack. We get all fussy about all the people at the gym that like have their shirt off. Like, well, goodness, I would do. If I had a Tesla, I would just drive it around and just look at it. How impressive. If I had millions of dollars in my bank account, I would just walk around. By the way, look how impressive. <sighs> Until somebody robbed me, and then, then I would stop doing that. But when you walk into your destiny, we're going to get thin, we're going to get a six-pack, and then like your first crunch, like, ow, like, yeah. <laughs> yep. What do you mean I can't eat that? Yep, sorry. It's like, well, this is no fun. It's like, yeah, it is. If you can lean in and push through what the enemy is throwing in your path, I promise you, 
When you're on your deathbed, you will be able to see the favor of the Lord on your life. But the reason why that old generation in Israel died out into the desert and this generation carried through was because they leaned in. Was it because they were any stronger than the generation that died? No. Was it because the Lord was with this generation any more than he was with the last generation? No. The only difference between Joshua's generation and Moses' generation is because the entire people leaned in. No one can do it for you. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. He didn't even pick up one sword. The leaders of Israel could not bring victory to the people of Israel. What happened? The people had to lean in to their destiny, lean into their identity. No one can do it for you. You are going to have to figure out how to build a relationship and a history with the Lord and lean into it. But it's hard. I know it's worth it. I promise. I promise it's worth it. Lean in. And if you can say, I don't know how to do not one exercise, you're in a wonderful place. You are surrounded by people that would love to walk you through the process of Christianity and how to live this Christian life out. I'd spend hours and hours and hours walking you through this. But the unfortunate thing is no one can do it for you. It, it stinks. I, if I had a magic wand and I could do it for you, that's all I do all day, every day. Just magic wand, magic wand, magic wand. I can't. So you're going to have to lean in. Anything that you want in life, you're going to have to lean in for. It's like, but the Bible is long and it's boring. Yeah, some of it. Read it. I don't know what to pray about. None of us do. Lean into it. I don't know what to do in worship. None of us do. All of us are faking it. If you, look, if you come into church and you see somebody that looks like they have everything put together, it's because you're not seeing their actual life. All of us are trying to do the best that we can. There is not one better Christian in this room than another one. All of us are just trying to do the best that we can. You are special because the favor of the Lord is on you. He is with you to be able to whip the tails of the enemies that are in front of you. Just lean in and cry out. When everything's going wrong, cry out. Be prepared for the Lord to say, quit your belly aching. Get a little bit of a thick skin and be like, oh, okay. I will try to limit my belly aching. Has anyone done a intermittent fasting? Like, I will only eat from 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock. I will only belly ache for this 15 minutes. We can limit our belly aching. Okay. I've belly ached enough. Time to dry it up. Dry it up, buttercup. Notice that the Lord didn't chastise Joshua for making a mistake. He had the results of like, oh, that didn't work well. Would you like to try it my way? It's like, yeah, I think so. I don't care what you did last night. I don't care what you did last week. I don't care what you did last month. Who cares? I mean, I care, but. Your past is not going to limit your future. Cry out to the Lord, God, what, what's going wrong? Did I steal a gold idol that I wasn't aware of? I walked off one time, got caught in a conversation and walked off of Walmart and didn't pay my bill one time. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Sorry. You go back and you pay your bill. Are you in the state that you're in right now because you refuse to forgive your mom? 
Forgive her. Take care of it. If you don't feel the favor of the Lord, could it possibly be be because you're a nightmare at home? I mean, obviously no one in here. (laughs) Talking about other people that lose their temper at, at, at their kids. Fix the stuff. You know what to do the right way and you know the wrong way to do things. Do it the right way and lean into your destiny. Let's go ahead and stand up. Lord, uh, hi, Judy. Judy sent me a text and said hi. So, hi, Judy. Um, you don't have to feel like you know what you're doing. No great history maker has ever known what they were doing. Some of them were just blinded by sheer dumb confidence, which would be nice sometimes. You don't have to know what you're doing. You're in a good community of people that are incredibly successful, and we don't know what we're doing either, so... You're in good company. Lean into the promise of the Lord. Lean into your character. Figure out who you are. What has God put you on earth to do? I can't tell you that. You're going to have to figure that out for yourself. Why are you on this earth? And let's get busy doing that. Father, we need your help. It, It doesn't matter if we have a good plan. It doesn't matter if we have strong swords, strong backs, or loud horns. We need your presence to go with us. And your word promises us that you'll never leave us or forsake us. You never left the apostles, and they were idiots too sometimes. You never left Mary Magdalene, regardless of what her past says. Father, that you would be with this people. Not everybody that's driving back from vacation, be with them. Give us rest. Lord, everybody that doesn't know how to make ends meet, Lord, give us wisdom and provision. Uh, For everybody that's uh, representative of kids that are going crazy, Father, give us the kingdom of heaven to bring about life where there is death in front of us. For everybody here that represents their parents in a rough spot, Father, give us the words to say. "I I don't know how to fix my parents' issues. I don't know how to fix my friends' issues. Father, that the favor of the Lord would be on us, would be with us and our children and our children's children, that the presence of the Lord would surround us and indwell us. We can't make this without you, Lord, nor do we want to, even though that we continue, I continually try, try to do it on my own strength, try to do it on my own wisdom. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. Holy Spirit, we need you. That's who we need. I don't need a plan. I don't need a biography. I need you, Lord. That you would direct our steps, that you would guide our our thoughts. Father, bless us this week. In Jesus' name, amen.